Hello, everyone. Glad that you're tuned in and love having the opportunity to share with you things that are on my mind and heart and things that I've been learning. I love to pass on to the rest of you. And this time, what I'm going to share kind of came out of uh, my Wednesday morning group again, where we were just talking about a number of things. And where I want to start is where Jesus has given us a lot of wonderful promises. There's a lot of promises that people have and they stick them on their fridge, right? Or they're in a little pocket promise book or something like that. And and there's some real obvious ones, ones that are also very special to us, right? Where Jesus said that, I have come that you might have life, have it abundantly, have it to the fullest. That he said, you know, take my yoke and follow me and come to me and because it's easy and light and rest for your soul that... You know, I love when he said in John 15, 11, that he says, I've told you this about remaining in his love, that you would experience joy, full and complete joy. Of course, at one point, he talks about experiencing peace, peace that he would give, not like the world gives. But there would be a peace that would come from him, that people love peace, people love joy, people want things to be easy, light, and rest for their souls. And So promises of this kind are common, and again, whether they're put on magnets or something like that, or it's on a card and you'll just stick it with a magnet on your fridge, these are the kinds of promises we like having around us and listening to, hearing from Jesus. Well, as we're thinking about the kinds of things, the promises we put on the fridge, we start laughing about, well, yeah, but what about this promise from Jesus? Where in John 16, 33, he says, in this world you will have trouble. Oh, goody. (laughs) Right? In this world, you will have trouble. You know, there's that bumper sticker that came out that said blank happens. (laughs) You realize Jesus kind of coined that a long time before that bumper sticker ever did. Essentially, Jesus is saying trouble happens. Trouble will happen. It does happen. It's going to happen. And so I'm just telling you, be ready for it. And actually, in that, that section there, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so again, well, what is the trouble? Well, in that context, he's explicitly talking about where he says, well, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they are going to persecute you. They threw me out of the synagogue, they're going to throw you out of the synagogue. They tried to kill me, they're going to try to kill you. Well, yeah, that wouldn't necessarily bring peace, all right? So he says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but in me you will have peace. And I'm like, really, Lord? What do you mean, in you I will have peace? I mean, to tell me these things, I think the disciples themselves are thinking, are you kidding me? You're promising this is the kind of stuff that's going to happen, and you're saying that we're going to have peace in the midst of it? You know, earlier in uh, John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And it's peace that's not like the world. So again, he's saying there's, there's an, a response that we can have to all that, which normally our response would not be peace, right? You hear this kind of stuff. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to be hated. I think our normal reaction would be fear. Our normal reaction would be worry. It would cause our hearts to be troubled, which again, in John 14, 27, right after he said, my peace I give to you, not like the world gives, so do not let your heart be troubled. 
and do not be afraid. Well, again, he says, I've told you these things so that in me, you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Well, how do we actually then engage that peace? How does that peace really come into our hearts, into our souls? Especially when the normal reaction would be to have our hearts be troubled, filled with worry, and, and to be filled with fear, quite frankly, right? I mean, that's the normal human response. It's not peace. And here Jesus is saying something that you would totally expect the normal response to be fear and anxiety, fear and worry, fear and a troubled heart. And he's saying, no, I'm telling you these things so that in me you might have peace. Well, he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Well, I think the first thing is for us to recognize is that we can actually take heart, that we can actually find this peace, experience this peace, receive this peace by what we think about. I mean, consider this, when, when Jesus said, do not let, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. I mean, essentially saying we have control, right? We have control somehow over what we feel, which again, the brain specialists are telling us these days that that's absolutely true because what you think about directly affects what you feel. And what you feel is directly related to what you're thinking about. So it seems like at the core of this, of course, Jesus can, by the Spirit, just pour peace into our hearts. Right? I love Romans 15, 13, where we're hearing it personalized. Um, God says, I am the God of hope, and I will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in me until you are overflowing with hope through the power of my Spirit. So, I mean, the Lord can do that, right? But a huge part of whether we have peace or not, whether we're filled with worry and anxiety or filled with fear, is how we're thinking. In fact, I often like to joke about that I think everybody meditates, right? Everybody fixates on something. I said, I think worry is unhealthy meditation. And you realize that a lot of us can really meditate on stuff that's just provoking worry, provoking worry, provoking fear, provoking fear. The other kind of meditation we do is daydreaming. That's just unhelpful. <laughs> so, but the point is, is that I think Jesus is saying, you have a choice. You have a choice about what you're going to focus your mind, your thoughts on. And I would say, first of all, before even going to the overcome piece, I think the first thing that I've found over the years that's really helped me is when these difficult things happen is to hear Jesus say, in this world you have trouble. In other words, say to yourself, normal, this is what you should expect. This is what I promised would happen. This is still true of the present evil age. See, I think a lot of times somehow we get this crazy notion that normal is that things are supposed to go well. Probably even more so as Americans. I think we struggle sometimes with thinking that, that yeah, that, that somehow being Christian means that everything is going to go great. The truth is, Paul says, we still live in this present evil age. Jesus himself said that Satan is still the prince of, of the air, the prince of the earth, that it's still his domain until the Lord comes back and finishes what he began. But it really helps to just start off with just saying to yourself, this is normal. This is to be expected. I mean, consider Paul, and I bet you nobody has these verses on their fridge, these promises, where in Romans 8, 
Paul says, as it is written, for my sake, you face death all day long. You are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Yeah, no, I don't think you have that on your fridge. Or when Paul says, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Or that he was trying to strengthen and encourage the faith of the Thessalonians. And he says, I don't want you to be unsettled by trials because you know quite well you are destined for them. Again, one of the things I think that brings peace to our soul is to be aware that this is normal. One of the things that so sets us up is to have wrong expectations. And we have these crazy expectations like being a Christian means everything's going to go well. And yet Jesus, Paul, even Peter, Peter in his letter said, Do not be surprised by the painful trials that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. You know, for most of the world, something strange is when things are going pretty well. Something strange is when life's going pretty well. We in America are really a rare, what, a, a rare people group who actually think something strange is when things are going bad. But Jesus actually said, no, something strange is when things are really going well, because <laughs> you should expect all this other stuff. You know, and the other tough thing is every now and then folks really tend to think that maybe these bad things are happening because somehow the Lord's against me, that somehow he's upset with me. And, and you just think about the, the, the difficulties that Paul experienced. I mean, I can only imagine him out there when he says that he floated a day and the night in the sea, you know, and when he's floating on a piece of driftwood, wondering to himself, if he were like you and me, thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I didn't have enough quiet time. You know, did I read enough chapters today? Maybe I didn't pray long enough. I bet you if I fasted longer, it's crazy. Don't let your mind go there. How do you have peace? How do you let his peace come into your soul? How do you keep yourself from, from letting your heart be troubled and filled with fear? The first thing you say to yourself is normal. This is to be expected. And then secondly, you think he's overcome it. You know, it's so important for us to recognize the fact that he died, he rose, he ascended, he's coming back, and he has overcome it. While he was present, he had power over death, over the devil, over disease, over creation. He showed that he was Lord of it all. And even as he rose, even as he lives and reigns today, he is coming back. He has overcome the world. And the second thing that should bring peace to your soul is just going, this is not it. It's not this all the time forever. One day it will end. It will stop. There will be a season when there is no more death, no more tears, no more fear, no more need for anxiety, no more disease. It's going to happen because Jesus rose and ascended. But you know, guys, the, the, the third thing that's just so awesome is that this isn't just something we have to try to muster up in terms of what we think about. You know, the third thing that's so powerful to this is that Paul said that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Even before Paul ever said any of that, you know, in this whole section here of Roman or uh, John 14 to 16, Paul talks about this, or Paul, Jesus talks about the Spirit, talks about the Spirit coming, that I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you as an orphan. I am sending, the Father is sending someone else who will be in you, with you, helping you. 
I mean, that's the third critical thing is that not that it's normal and not that there's just a future hope, but in the present, by the Spirit, Jesus is indeed with us. By the Spirit, He gives us peace. He gives us hope. He gives us strength. This is what gets us through. This is what causes peace to come, is that we know it's normal, we know it's not forever, but most of all, we don't have to do it by ourselves. That the Spirit's come, and you know what I love about when Paul said that, that the Spirit was a deposit, is that, you know, you think about if somebody says, you know, I'm going to give you a hundred bucks, and you're like, yeah, okay, but then they give you ten and in your hands, you hold and you feel that money and you go, oh my gosh, it really exists. Well, then it causes you to recognize that, okay, if they're promising a hundred bucks, the money's real. It exists. And if I can trust the person who told me that, then those $90 probably really do exist. And that, that person's really going to keep their word. But the cool part is that you get to touch the money. It's because of that experience with it, holding it, touching it, that you go, it exists. It's real. When Paul says that the Holy Spirit is the deposit guaranteeing what is to come, you guys, you got to take hold of this. The Spirit is an experienced reality. The Holy Spirit, He is somebody who is real, somebody who you can experience. Paul also said that hope doesn't disappoint us because He poured out his love into our hearts by his spirit. That's something experienced, that love of the future that we experience in part by the spirit, but it's experienced. Or the fact that Paul says that it's the spirit bearing with, confirming with our spirit. It's not just something we have to mentally ascend to, that his spirit confirms with our spirit. And there's something that happens there that's so experiential, so profoundly real that he says, what comes out of that? You say, Abba. You say, Daddy. You say, Father. You say, you are real and you love me and that I am loved by you and that I am your son. I am your daughter. It's something that we can experience the Spirit present with us, Jesus present with us by the Spirit. He is still with us. He is there. His spirit touches our spirit and tells us all of this is true. All of this is real. And then I love how Paul prays in Ephesians 3 when he says that I pray to the Father that I have his glorious riches. He may strengthen you today with power by the spirit in your inner being. Where does our strength come from? Where does our help come from? It comes from the spirit. In fact, in Philippians 1, 19, 11, he says that I also rejoice because I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, he knows that what he's going through is all going to work out okay. In fact, it makes me wonder, it's in the very same letter when Paul finally says the secret of being content. He says, look, again, I know what it's like to have plenty, to have nothing, to be well-fed, to be hungry. And I love how the newer NIV puts it, where he says, I can do all this. You know, the old way is I could do all things, and it almost removed it from the context. But in the new way, when the NIV says, I can do all this, namely, I can be content, whether I have everything or I have nothing, well-fed or not, whether I'm experiencing pain, struggle, whatever it is, 
It doesn't matter. I can do all this. I can be content in all this through him who gives me strength. And of course, most of the time we think of through Christ, and that's great. But I love to go back to 119 where Paul explicitly says, but it's God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that gets us through. You guys, this is what helps us. You know, this is why we could put that promise on our fridge. It's not there to make us afraid. It's not there to make us anxious. It's just to say, this is what's going to happen. Don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard. In fact, you need to make an adjustment in your heart and mind that this is normal. But I don't leave you alone. I leave you with the hope. Cause your heart to what? take heart, to be encouraged, to be filled with hope that in the midst of it, I've overcome. I died, I've been raised, I've ascended, I'm at the right hand of the Father, and I will return. But the Father and I have sent the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing this. But He's not just a guarantee. He's a present, experienced reality that He works together with our Spirit that reminds us that we are loved, reminds me, you and I, that we are His child. And then it's the Spirit's presence that in all this, no matter what it is, we have power. We are strengthened to make it through. That's why we can actually put this as a promise on our fridge and not be discouraged by it, not be filled with troubled hearts and filled with fear. That's why we can put that on the fridge and go, yeah, I know, but it's not a problem for me. When I think about Romans 8, when Paul finally says, so who shall separate me from the love of God? Trouble, hardship persecution, famine, nakedness, danger of the sword. As it is written, we face death all day long and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But he says, knowing all these things, and I want to just for him to say it himself, I think Paul wants to say, knowing all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Paul's whole point is that bring it on. Bring it on. It's normal, I expect it, but I am not doing this by myself, and nothing, none of this stuff that the enemy may throw at me will ever separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's Paul's point. Jesus, by his Spirit, his presence is so real, so true, so intimate, so powerful, that he says, go ahead, Satan, do your best. Throw it at me. Because I know that nothing, 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 nothing externally will ever be able to separate me from Jesus' love for me, from the Father's love for me in Christ Jesus that I experience in my soul by the Spirit. This is how I can have Jesus say, I tell you these things so that in me, so that in me, you will have peace. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Beloved, take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world, and he's present with you today by his Spirit. God bless.